Welcome to the Doc Washburn Show, the show that talks about what you actually care about. The Doc Washburn Show streams live at noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central weekdays on the Podbean app, which you can download onto your smartphone. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N and is available for download at Spotify, Apple, or wherever podcasts are available. The Doc Washburn Show is on Twitter and Facebook. You can email us at contact at docwashburnshow.com or call us at 866-609. 3711. All right, this is episode 25 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. It's Monday, November 15th. Yes, I was fired by one of the biggest radio companies in America, Cumulus Media, simply because I refused their vaccine mandate. Yes, it's obvious last November's presidential election was stolen. No, my old employer wouldn't let me say that on the radio. And yes, There's all kinds of evidence out there that a lot of people are having serious negative reactions to the vaccines. So this is a really different kind of talk show. We're unmasked, uncensored, and unfiltered. If you'd like to support us financially, go to DocWashburnShow.com and click on the Become a Patron button. Okay, Biden's thoroughly compromised, thoroughly politicized Department of Justice has taken podcaster and former Trump official Steve Bannon into custody this morning. Make no mistake, if you're a Democrat, you can feel free to ignore a congressional subpoena. They have many times. But if you are a Republican, a former Trump official, and you decline to participate in a political witch hunt being conducted by a partisan congressional committee, you will be vigorously prosecuted by Let's Go Brandon's Justice Department. Now, it's widely believed Attorney General Merrick Garland is a mere figurehead who frequently doesn't know what his department is even up to. It's also widely believed that Deputy Attorney General Lisa Monaco is actually in charge at DOJ. Now, she's the one actually running the show and using the Biden DOJ to actively, to actively go after political opponents of the regime. Just a reminder, Ms. Monaco served in the Obama administration for years. She was very tight with Barack. She pushed the false Trump-Russia collusion collusion hoax for years. But when she was nominated by Dementia Joe for the number two position at DOJ, she was approved by a 98-2 vote. Ted Cruz and Rand Paul were the only United States senators to vote against her. No one even questioned her when she was up for confirmation in front of the Senate Judiciary Committee. So, yes, my listeners in, 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 in Arkansas, remember, remember, the woman in charge at Biden's DOJ, she was confirmed. She got yes votes from both your senators there, Tom Cotton and John Bozeman. My listeners in Texas, remember, only one of your two senators voted against her, Ted Cruz. The other, John Cornyn, sure, why not get a Russian collusion hoaxer in there? Put her in charge of DOJ. So more on the political persecution of Steve Bannon later in the show. Now, we're keeping an eye on the Kyle Rittenhouse murder trial as it unfolds in real time this morning. As we speak, the judge is giving jury instructions to to the jury, advising them before the closing arguments from the prosecution and defense in the Kyle Rittenhouse murder trial. The court has already dismissed the gun charge, charge number six, against Rittenhouse. The judge 
announced they were dropping the charge as soon as the prosecution said they were no longer claiming that the gun Kyle Rittenhouse had used was an illegal short rifle. Prosecution admitted, no, it was not an illegal short rifle. Now, the great Will Chamberlain, co-publisher at Human Events, when he announced it this morning, he said, count six in the Rittenhouse trial dismissed over on Twitter. He says, turns out it was lawful for Kyle to possess a rifle at 17 in Wisconsin. He says, confused, don't worry. I explained this all 15 months ago. And he goes back to a thread that he put together August 27th of last year in which he said this. He said, there are a lot of hot takes about how 17-year-old Kyle Rittenhouse was too young to openly carry a rifle in Wisconsin. The Milwaukee Journal Sentinel had an article out August of last year stating as a fact that Kyle Rittenhouse was too young to openly carry a rifle in Wisconsin. And plenty of other people have done it too. August 27th last year, Will Chamberlain says, I'm pretty sure everyone has it wrong. And he has an excerpt from the Journal Sentinel. He says, which should have given them pause. They state as fact that Kyle Rittenhouse violated the law. But then they cite a lawyer who specializes in gun, gun rights cases who thinks an exception applies. The author of the article there for the biggest newspaper in Wisconsin should have listened to that lawyer who specializes in gun rights cases. Will Chamberlain says, here's the relevant Wisconsin statute. And he links to it. It does say that any person under 18 years of age who goes armed with a dangerous weapon is guilty of a misdemeanor, but it has a number of exceptions, including one for minors who are carrying a rifle or a shotgun. So there you go. There you go. I mean, it says you need a certificate to go hunting, but right, Rittenhouse wasn't hunting. So it's hard to see how he could have been violating that statute either. Again, August 27th, last year, Will Chamberlain out there on Twitter saying, so to bring it back to the main statute, Kyle Rittenhouse was under 18, but he was carrying a rifle and not in violation of three other relevant statutes. As a result, based on my reading, he committed no crime by open carrying a rifle in Wisconsin at 17. But, you know, that's not good enough for CNN. That's not good enough for CNN. So they brought on a so-called expert, a judge this morning, who, well, it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing that someone this ignorant would be a judge anywhere in America, really. But CNN knows who their audience is. And so regardless of the law, <laughs> they need to bring someone on who can be upset when someone is legally exonerated. And that's certainly what happened this morning 
just a few minutes ago, and it went something like this. Count six was dismissed. So this was uh, the count uh, possession of a dangerous weapon by a person under 18. We still have Judge Glenda Hatchett, Sarah Azari with us. So this was something, uh, there's a statute in the state, as I understand it, that allows a 16 or a 17-year-old to carry a long gun in public. Prosecution said this is really only if they have a hunting license, this should only be for hunting. This count, uh, Judge, was now dismissed. Missed. Uh, just walk us through what we just heard and why this is so important. Yeah, I, I was, it's very interesting to follow that because at the end of the day, we still have to remember that Kyle was not licensed to carry that gun. He wasn't hunting. He didn't have to have a license. Knucklehead. Regardless of the barrel. And so you heard them. Wait, regardless? Is that a, is that a judicial term? Regardless? I thought it was regardless. I mean, what's what's that about? I I'm 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 stunned here. Regardless of the barrel, and so oh, you heard boy. them talk about the length of the barrel because they're referring to the statue. Um, no, whoa, 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 whoa! The statue. Wait, you're you're a judge, right? The statue. What What do you mean the statue? Wouldn't that be the statute? Don't you have two T's? This one was a judge? Out of Atlanta, 70 years old, should know better? I'm just finding out. Uh, Glenda A. Hatchett is a star of the former court show Judge Hatchett and current day, the verdict with Judge Hatchett and founding partner at the national law firm, the Hatchett Firm. And she's talking about the statue. And regardless, I don't know, man. I, I guess that's all you need to be a, a legal expert on CNN. Because they're referring to the statue. No. Honey, no, please. They're not taking out a statue of anybody. It's it, it, it's it's the statute, right? Okay. But really, what the prosecution really had to be able to show, uh, and I think is is going to be confusing for the jury. Sound like you might be confused. Is it still? This is a kid who came across state lines, was underage, should not have had the weapon. He wasn't breaking the law, hon. He was legal. There's no law against coming across state lines. If there was, why don't y'all uh, prosecute some of those Black Lives Matter and Antifa folk to come across state lines to tear stuff down? You know what I'm saying? I mean, y'all just don't like the fact that uh, he had to shoot three people in self-defense, one of whom was a pedophile who had raped five little boys, one of whom had a long track record of being violent towards women. I think that's what's bothering you here. Uh, in the first place, and should not have been in possession. He, he, he should have been in possession because he wasn't doing anything illegal. 
and that his possession in and of itself was illegal. No, no. The prosecution just admitted his possession in and of itself is not illegal, and that's why the judge dropped the charge. But you're CNN, so you got to do what you got to do, right? That's amazing, isn't it? That's absolutely amazing. But again, what do you expect at CNN? By the way, have you heard um, anywhere that Kyle Rittenhouse's dad, grandma, aunt, uncle, and cousins live in Kenosha, Wisconsin, right across the state line from a little town in Illinois where Kyle lived? Y'all heard about that? And this knucklehead judge on CNN wants to pretend there's something wrong with him. Taking a 20-minute trip across the state line. And uh, defending himself when people try to kill him. What's up with that? What's up with that? Um, what's going on in this country, whether it's going after Kyle Rittenhouse or going after Steve Bannon or going after you and me for refusing to get the jab with an experimental drug that might kill us is they want to control us. They want to control us. Now the great Zuby music. Rapper, author, podcaster, speaker, coach. He's out there over the weekend on Twitter saying, you know, millions of people simply don't want to admit that they've been misled, they've been lied to, they gave up 12 to 20 months of normal life for no good reason whatsoever. Never underestimate the human desire to fit in, to protect one's ego to rationalize decisions, coping mechanisms. No matter how much you explain the scam to some people, they will stubbornly insist they were not scammed. They made the right decision. In fact, they'll get more mad at the person pointing out the scam than the scammers. They'll even defend the scammers. The goalposts have been moved 100 times. So-called leaders don't follow their own rules. People are saying and doing things that don't even make basic logical sense. People are turning on each other and attacking those who are trying to defend their rights. It's a mass psychosis. And that's true. That's true. You've seen it all over the place. The great Greg Price. Senior digital strategist over at X Strategies LLC. Also on Twitter over the weekend saying, the FBI hid footage of the Kyle Rittenhouse shooting from their drone. The DOJ coordinated with the National School Board Association to label parents as domestic terrorists. The FBI raided 
Project Veritas and leaked their communications, privileged communications, attorney-client privileged communications to the New York Times. And the DOJ indicted Steve Bannon for something Eric Holder and Lois Lerner were never indicted for. Well, we're just supposed to pretend like everything's fine, right? We're supposed to pretend like this uh, dementia patient got 81 million votes a year ago and everything was, was kosher, right? Representative, Representative Chip Roy, U.S. Representative out of Texas, which um, every time we check our download figures for the podcast, Texas is always in second place. We have a lot of listeners in Texas, and we appreciate y'all in the Lone Star State. U.S. Representative Chip Roy says the American people have been suggest, subjected to absolutely insane levels of lying, misinformation, and dishonesty from the Biden administration over the past 10 months. Since the corporate media has no real interest in pointing it out, here's a list. Let's start with a lie that Joe Biden wouldn't call for a federal vaccine mandate. Then when they called him president-elect in December of 2020, he said, no, I don't think it should be mandatory. I wouldn't demand it to be mandatory. Well, we all saw how that turned out, right? Chip Roy says, going back to COVID response, we're also being sold a load of garbage over Biden's vaccine mandate to begin while this mandate makes no consideration for natural immunity, a recent CDC admission points how effective it actually is natural immunity versus a vaccine. In response to an attorney's freedom of information act request, the U S CDC admits it has no record whatsoever of an unvaccinated person spreading COVID after recovering from COVID. And lawyers are smelling blood in the water. Oh, yeah. Chip Roy continues, case in point. First, we were told you're not going to get COVID if you have these vaccinations. That's what Biden said. That's what Fauci said, right? 100%. Now we're being told that people have to get vaccinated to protect the people that are already vaccinated. Chip Roy continues, and yet, while there's a new push to vaccinate 5 to 11-year-old kids, including Big Bird, there's very little discussion of the myocarditis risks. And he links to uh, Dr. Marty McCary, Professor Johns Hopkins, editor-in-chief at MedPage Today, who says it's reasonable for a parent to want to see more data. To date, there's zero data appropriately powered to make any statements about the risk of myocarditis or myocarditis death in children 5 to 11. And she takes a deep dive into the Pfizer-Vax study over Wall Street Journal. Chip Roy continues. 
Then there was the massive whirlwind of lies about ivermectin not being meant for human consumption. Yeah, Saturday Night Live did that just Saturday night. Pretended it was a horse medicine again. Never mind it received the Nobel Prize in 2015 for its applications in treating human disease. Congressman Chip Roy, Texas, continues. Next, gain-of-function Fauci called Senator Paul a liar and said that the NIH did not fund dangerous gain-of-function research at the Wuhan lab. We now know that to be false. But that's not all of the good doctor's dishonesty. Here's a reminder on how Fauci went back and forth on masks, changing his advice to fit the political narrative of the moment. This is clearly not about science or your health. It's about compliance. Here's a couple of minutes of Fauci. Stick with me. Don't go anywhere. People should not be walking around with masks. Let me just state for the record that masks are not theater. Wearing a mask might make people feel a little bit better. And masks are protective. And we but it's not providing the perfect protection that people think that it is. There has not been any indication that putting a mask on and wearing a mask for a considerable period of time has any deleterious effects. There are unintended consequences people keep fiddling with the mask and they keep touching their face then can you get some schmutz sort of staying inside there of course you do not need to wear a mask indoors if in fact you've been vaccinated good that you're vaccinated but in a situation where you have people indoors particularly crowded you should wear a mask so even if you are vaccinated you should wear a mask if in fact you are vaccinated fully vaccinated you are protected and you do not need to wear a mask outdoors or indoors Are you hearing this? Completely contradicting himself over and over and over and over again. And he is the highest paid employee of the federal government in this country. When the children go out into the community, you want them to continue to wear masks. You know, if you look at at, at children outside, particularly when they're with the family, uh, walking down the street, playing a game or what have you, don't have to wear a mask. The the pediatric, the Academy of Pediatric actually makes that recommendation that children should be wearing masks uh, from two years old onward. And you're asking now if your child is a member of your household, can you walk outdoors with your child without a mask? According to that chart, the answer is yes. But the child can't, not to beat it, yeah. beat it to death. Yeah. Yes, yes. Because okay. now okay. the CDC says, I mean, I think I've got this right. One mask is better than zero masks. Two masks is better than one mask. But you don't have to have double masks. Is, is I, that right? I mean. You know, it became clear that cloth coverings that you didn't have to buy in a store that you could make yourself were adequate. And then you want it to fit better. So one of the ways you could do it, if you would like to, is put a cloth mask over, which actually here and here and here, where you could get leakage in, is much better contained. Are you a double masker, Dr. Fauci? Look like you are. (laughs) As they show a picture of him at the baseball game with the mask down, close to other people. Guy should be under the jail, in my humble opinion. Representative Chip Roy, U.S. Representative of Texas, continues. Next, the border. When questioned about whether he was planning on allocating 450000 per person 
to individual illegal immigrants. Biden says that's not going to happen. His handlers at the White House quickly clarified that they do plan for it to happen. The next day, the White House uh, Deputy Secretary said the president is perfectly comfortable with the Department of Justice settling with the individuals and families who are currently in litigation with the U.S. government. And speaking of the border, let's not forget, when the White House was outright denying the existence of a border crisis despite all obvious evidence to the contrary, Jen Psaki. But once that lie gave out, so-called border czar Kamala Harris didn't actually visit the border. Instead of going to the heart of the crisis, she flew into El Paso, took her pictures, did nothing to address the cartel-driven border that is worsening every day. Then there were those midnight flights from the border, which Jen Psaki tried to mislead America about. When asked by Peter Ducey at Fox about flying unaccompanied minors in the middle of the night, 2.30 in the morning, 4.30 in the morning, she said, well, I'm not sure that it's the middle of the night. And then there was the smear about Border Patrol agents whipping migrants, which never happened. Biden still hasn't apologized for that lie. The administration lied about how many Americans were left in Afghanistan and lied about staying until every American was out of Afghanistan. During the Virginia election, we were told over and over and over again how critical race theory supposedly wasn't being taught in the state's public schools. In reality, it was woven into the fabric of the curricula there. Biden claimed he would not raise taxes if your income was under $400,000. But Biden's Build Back Better agenda would raise taxes on up to 30% of middle-class families. Plus, inflation is a tax on all consumers, yet Biden's claims that inflation is temporary have predictably proven to be complete garbage as prices continue to spike to their highest level in 30 years. Bottom line. All this is just a sampling from Biden's first 10 months in office. We'll continue to update this as needed. There's sure to be no shortage of Biden lies and misinformation going forward. That is the great United States Representative Chip Roy of Texas with a thread over there on Twitter about how the American people have been subjected to absolutely insane levels of lying, misinformation, and dishonesty from the Biden administration over the past 10 months. And he put that out there since corporate media has no interest whatsoever in pointing it out. No interest whatsoever. All right. um, The great Daniel Horowitz, senior editor over The Blaze, who has his own podcast and does a show with Dr. Mary Tally Bowden, ENT and sleep medicine specialist, in which she discusses a case where the court rules her patient can be administered ivermectin by her own doctor. When the nurse came, the hospital called the cops and violated the court order. How about them apples? Houston Methodist. The articles in the Houston Chronicle. 
How about that? Daniel Harwood says, it's insane that Texas cannot ban hospitals from blocking patients who want to take ivermectin with their own money and own liability. What is going on in hospitals is nothing short of genocide. And he tags Governor Greg Abbott. He tags Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton. He tags Texas Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick. He tags U.S. Representative Chip Roy. He tags Alan West, head of the Republican Party and gubernatorial candidate in Texas. Tags Don Huffines running for governor of Texas. And Chad Prather running for governor of Texas. But, you know, we'll see what happens. But my job is to let you know about these things. Jordan Schachtel, great independent journalist over at Substack, says the shots were sold as a cure, not a recurring pharma subscription for a prophylactic with expiring efficacy. A one or two and done cure. Never forget this. Hundreds of millions of people complied because they thought they were taking something akin to a cure. He says this was the promise, and he links to the article in the UK Independent, which says all three vaccines are 100% effective against death and hospitalization, according to Anthony Fauci. Well, that was a lie. That was a lie. And it doesn't matter if Fauci knew it was a lie at the time or not. If he knew it was a lie, that's, that's criminal negligence right there. If he didn't know it was a lie, he certainly should not be able to keep his job. Right? Right? Now, to show you how the liberal media works on stories, it's not just the national media. It can be local media, too. So, in the state of Arkansas, there's a um, website called Arkansas Money and Politics. And they've got an article here which talks about the director of the Craighead County, Jonesboro, Arkansas, public library in Jonesboro, resigning last Thursday amid ongoing public debate surrounding library selection of children's books. Okay? Arkansas Money and Politics Magazine. Director of the Craighead County Jonesboro Public Library resigned Thursday amid ongoing public debate surrounding library selection of children's books. So I knew a little bit about the story, so I read the article. And... uh to my surprise, when am I going to sneeze? Don't you hate it when you have to sneeze and you can't? All right, got that out of the way. It should not have been a surprise to me that the article completely obscured the story. It was completely one-sided on the side of 
the, li- the, the, the library, not the parents concerned. No mention of the allegation there was pornography in the children's section of the Jonesboro, Arkansas Library. Not, not even a quote from anyone who raised concerns. So Arkansas money and politics, I, I guess, is just in business to do things like help the library circle the wagons in situations like this. I found that fascinating. Fascinating. All right, back to the Rittenhouse trial as we keep an eye on the prosecution's closing argument. Did you know that CBS News tweeted out that Kyle Rittenhouse had testified he murdered two men? And then the network quickly deleted straight-up libelous tweet amid brutal backlash. Again, thank you to Dave Urbanski over the Blaze Media. I think, didn't he fill in for Rush once or twice? Maybe maybe several times? Here it is. Readers angrily called out CBS News for rendering its own verdict Thursday in the Kyle Rittenhouse trial by saying the defendant testified that he murdered two men amid protests and rioting in Kenosha, Wisconsin last year. While Rittenhouse has been charged with two counts of intentional homicide, he has pleaded not guilty and is arguing he acted in self-defense when he fatally shot Joseph Rosenbaum and Anthony Huber August 2020. Both Fox News and Mediaite reported CBS News deleted its initial tweet, but the Internet is forever. And then this article, which we'll put on my Facebook page, is an image of the tweet in question which reads, quote, Kyle Rittenhouse testified in his murder trial yesterday, breaking down in tears as he told the jury he murdered two men at a Black Lives Matter protest last year in self-defense, unquote. Beckett Adams over the Washington Examiner offered a terse response to it. He said, bang up job, guys. Adams followed up reaction with a post just six minutes later saying CBS News deleted its problematic tweet and rewrote it. The apparent new tweet reads, killed two men instead of murdered two men. But criticism over CBS News's blunder didn't end there. Mark Hemingway, senior writer at Real Clear Investigations, tweeted about the network's murdered two men faux pas. He said, again, a lot of Rittenhouse coverage and commentary is straight-up libelous. Journalist Virginia Cruda observed, when you could just report the story straight, but you jump at the chance to put it in a lawsuit-worthy frame instead. In other words, they need to be sued over this. Dan McLaughlin, National Review Online, declared, oh, well, then, no need for trial. CBS News has delivered its verdict. Others hardly agreed. One commenter asked, wow, it's article after article of blatant disinformation and outright lies. Different agencies and publications like an organized effort to railroad the kid. Another user opined, apparently the plan is to continue with these inflammatory lies until a dam breaks and widespread violence breaks out. Imagine the top-down control they'll claim is necessary to quell massive civil unrest. Another commenter said in 2021, you're not convicted by a jury of your peers, but by a set of semi-anonymous 
elite so-called journalists slash social media managers who hate you. Another user offered, somebody obviously forgot what happened after the media falsely accused that youngster from Covington Catholic High School in Kentucky. Apparently, CBS News has deep enough pockets that they won't have a problem settling with Kyle Rittenhouse for millions, too. One would hope. One would hope the uh, article of The Blaze concludes the Rittenhouse trial has been atop the news cycle all last week. Wendy Rittenhouse, the defendant's mother, said in an interview Thursday with Sean Hannity over Fox News, President Biden defamed her son by suggesting he's a white supremacist. Joy Behar, far-left co-host of The View, on Thursday mocked Rittenhouse's courtroom testimony during which he sobbed uncontrollably at one point as, quote, one of the worst acting jobs I've ever seen, unquote. NBA superstar LeBron James also made fun of Rittenhouse's testimony in a tweet to his 50 million followers, but paid it, but paid for it with scathing pushback from uh, from commenters. Yeah, he uh, he deserves scathing pushback. That's for sure. LeBron is is he the guy that makes a lot of money off of uh, slave labor out of China and gets upset when uh. Folks stand up for freedom. It was that that LeBron, that, that, that one we're talking about? Yeah, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. All right, look, I need to, I need to ask you about something. As we watch the government try to take away all our rights, And it started when uh, Hillary tried to take over health care, Hillary care, and the Republicans fought back. And then Obama said, I'm going to try for another bite of that apple. And he got it through. It's called the Affordable Care Act. They lied. Says supposed to make your health care more expensive. We call it Obamacare. There's nothing about it is affordable. Let me just ask you, does your health care, does your health insurance premium feel like a second mortgage? Does your sky-high deductible prevent you from going to the doctor? Do your sky-high co-pays keep you from going to the doctor? Did that so-called affordable, hair, affordable care act make your health care more expensive? Now, if you answered yes to any of those questions, you need to check out my friend Art Wilborn's website, MyFamilyHealthPlan.com. They've got affordable plans. You save 30 to 50% on premiums. You get personalized health coverage, low to no deductible, no co-pays. Did you have any idea such a thing was still possible in the United States? Despite Obama's best efforts, it is. It is. Put you in control of your health care coverage. And here's the great thing. With Art Wilborn, you get an insurance plan that doesn't force you to cover things that would violate your deeply held religious beliefs. You don't have to cover abortion and all that kind of stuff. Again, the website is myfamilyhealthplan.com. 
That's where you need to go to book a free consultation. Art Wilborn will also make sure there are no gaps in your coverage. Again, affordable plans, save 30 to 50% on premiums, personalized health coverage, low to no deductible, and no co-pays. Save money on your insurance at myfamilyhealthplan.com. You'll be so glad you did. And we appreciate Art Wilborn and MyFamilyHealthPlan.com for uh, supporting the Doc Washburn Show. All right, let me uh, let me get back to stuff here. A guy named Chris Rufo, Christopher F. Rufo, writer at uh, City Journal and senior fellow at the Manhattan Institute. He's the guy who really brought critical race theory and the teaching of it in public schools into the forefront. He's really responsible for that, and God bless him. So over the weekend, he says, as you watch school boards intimidate and arrest parents, remember that the founder of critical race theory, a woman named Kimberly Crenshaw, made it explicit. She said, Middle-class white parents are the enemy, and they must be silenced to implement so-called equity. Kimberly Crenshaw's African-American Policy Forum put together a presentation as part of their materials on what they called resisting the right-wing attacks on critical race theory. Winning racial justice in our schools, resisting the right-wing attacks on critical race theory, organizing toolkits in partnership with the AAPF K through 12 working group. I mean, it's insidious. It's insidious and it's well-planned. So thank God in the state of Virginia, a gentleman named Glenn Youngkin was elected governor and Winsome Sears elected lieutenant governor, and they got a great attorney general also. Know what I'm saying? Um, this is kind of rough, and I'm going. I'm not going to get into names here for reasons that will become obvious, but. Uh, over on Twitter, this person's saying, my boy's last Snapchat to me in March was his vaccination card with his second Moderna shot on it. Two days later, he was gone. Says, I will never forgive these people. Response says, sorry for your loss. I was admitted to the ER a couple of weeks after my second dose of Moderna. With a heart attack, what I realized was there is no government assistance with the vaccine injury bills or time needed off work. This vaccine ruined me, still fighting, though. Another one says, I got my second dose of the Moderna in February. I've been wearing a heart monitor for a week and a half. 27-year-old male, 5'11", 150 pounds, so not overweight, because I had a heart attack. wonder if there's long heart systems like the long covid Wow. But uh, they want to force you and me to take it, though, right? 
They want to force us to take it. Another response, I'm so sorry for your loss. I'm mid-40s, got super sick for a couple of days after my second Moderna shot, stayed exhausted, had a blood clot and chest pains, abnormal electrocardiogram not long after. Oldest daughter hardly slept for months, neurological issues. Doctors are not interested in reporting. Gee, I wonder why. wonder why. Somebody I follow over there on Twitter who goes by Rising Serpent and has had great content for years. Don't know what his real name is. He says, so let me see if I understand this. The CDC knew that there was absolutely no evidence, not one single case ever of a recovered person with natural immunity, spreading it to anyone else, but they still published a study claiming vaccine immunity was orders of magnitude superior to natural immunity? Yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. And they should be prosecuted. They should be under the jail. That's right. That's right. Oh, I love this one. Uh, Daniel Horowitz, again, from The Blaze. On Twitter over the weekend said, if you have a rhino legislator in a red district with no challenger, even if you can't put together a campaign, just get your name on the ballot. God might bless us with an historic opportunity, but in many areas we have no conduit through which to capture a wave election. Okay. So, I'll just say this. For my Arkansas listeners who have been very upset with the rhino U.S. Representative French Hill representing central Arkansas ever since he stabbed Trump in the back saying one week after the January 6th setup that Trump's rhetoric leading up to January 6th was unforgivable and then went on to say how proud he was to vote to keep Liz Cheney in Republican Party House leadership because she was an outstanding conservative, even after she voted to impeach President Trump. French Hill will have a primary opponent. And I will be announcing the name of French Hill's primary opponent on Thursday when the website goes up. So don't miss the Doc Washburn show on Thursday. I'm reminded of the truck driver, Mr. Durr, over there in South Jersey, who defeated the longest-serving member of the New Jersey legislature, the Democrat State Senate president. And Mr. Durr only spent $153 to do it. And um, most of that is spent apparently at Dunkin' Donuts. He did his own campaign videos on Facebook for free. And he beat the guy with a multi-million dollar uh, war chest. That was pretty cool. I thought that was pretty cool. So, um, 
if he could do that in a deep blue state against a uh, long-time Democrat member of the state legislature, it shouldn't be too hard, I wouldn't think, for a Republican to beat a rhino in a party primary in a deep red state like, uh, like Arkansas. And that may very well happen coming up May 24th. That very well may happen. So we certainly hope so, right? All right. Um, I got to take a sip of something, so let me play this real quick. We'll be this right after back. Thanks for listening to the Doc Washburn Show. We are unmasked, uncensored, and unfiltered. Many of you have asked, how can we help support the show? Really easy. Go to DocWashburnShow.com and click Become a Patron at the top right corner of the website or click the Podbean logo where it says, Be My Patron on Podbean. We sure do appreciate your support of the Doc Washburn Show. Okay, I'm choking. Have to play it again. Thanks for listening to the Doc Washburn Show. We are unmasked, uncensored, and unfiltered. Many of you have asked, how can we help support the show? Really easy. Go to DocWashburnShow.com and click Become a Patron at the top right corner of the website or click the Podbean logo where it says, Be My Patron on Podbean. We sure do appreciate your support of the Doc Washburn Show. You ever, ever have something go down the wrong way? Yeah. You ever have something go down the wrong way while you're trying to do a uh, live stream podcast? I don't recommend it. Don't try this at home, kids. All right, now, um, buddy of mine, a follow over on Twitter. Pardon me. God willing, we'll get this squared away. Buddy of mine, I follow over on Twitter, um, who goes by the Dank Knight, says Rittenhouse doesn't even have to be convicted of a crime now. They've accomplished their mission. Wherever he goes, whatever college he attends, whatever job he applies for, will forever be tainted by this, and they know it. All for a split-second decision to protect himself from animals. And that's the truth. No two ways about that. All right. I hope we're back to normal here. Now I want to. I want to take a look at a very important article that came out the other day at thefederalist.com. 
This guy has a lot of insight. A guy named David Kites, pardon me, David Kelts, author of The Campaign of His Life and Media Bias in the Trump Presidency and the Extinction of the Conservative Millennial. His writings have been published in the American Spectator, Real Clear Politics, American Thinker, and the New York Daily News, among others. He's over the Federalist, and the article is entitled, At Glasgow Climate Summit, Obama Takes Off the Mask. Quote, it's about power, unquote. In a rare moment of transparency, the former president explained he was not there for climate change, but to prime Democrat votes from misinformed youth. Got it? Former President Barack Obama spoke Monday at the COP26 summit in Glasgow, Scotland, to address the so-called climate crisis. Given that Obama has a $12 million waterfront home at Martha's Vineyard right on the water, he doesn't appear to be too concerned about actual climate change. Obama also seems to know as much about physics or science as Greta Thunberg, which is to say next to nothing. But in a rare moment, a transparency, Obama said something revealing and explained exactly why he was in Scotland and had nothing to do with climate change. All right? So let's take a look at this. You know, I, I, could, I could read you the quote, but I want to prove to you that he said it, okay? I want to prove to you, I want you to hear it in his own words, what he actually said about why he was at this climate crisis symposium and that it had nothing whatsoever to do with climate change. Check this out. Let's face it. This is not just about raw numbers. This is not just about science. This is about politics. It's about culture. It's about morality. It's about the human dynamic. How do we work together to get a big thing done? And it's about participation and power. Thinking back on my own experience as president, I would have had the power to do even more to fight climate change during my time in office if I'd had a stable congressional majority that was willing and eager to take action. All right, you get that? Did you get that? In case you didn't, David Kelts, the Federalist, explains. In other words, in Obama's world, the only way to fight so-called climate change is to give the Democrats in Congress more power than they already have and then miraculously, the planet can be saved. So how exactly does Obama plan on keeping the Democrats in power? Well, by keeping climate change at the forefront of a radical leftist agenda to specifically target an increasingly misinformed and uneducated youth. Oh, yeah. That's exactly what this is about. Here's more. Many young people are now starting to realize I've got to make my interests heard if I have the opportunity to vote. 
So in the 2020 U.S. presidential election, young people were more likely than older voters to say that climate change was their top concern. And they also voted at a rate 11 points higher than in 2016. That's the kind of thing that makes politicians sit up and take notice. Uh Uh-huh. Translation. It doesn't matter if climate change is a serious threat. It doesn't matter if climate policy will destroy thousands of energy jobs or raise the cost of meat without actually eliminating greenhouse gases, all the while lowering the standards of living for everyone. All that matters is that ignorant young people take the issue very seriously, and if the socialists in charge fail to recognize that, then the Democrat Party could very well go extinct before the planet does. Now, I want to... I want to digress from the article here for just a moment because Obama said something else that is not covered in the article, but I found fascinating. And here it is. As one 20-year-old organizer said, young people understand that if we want to save our lives and our future, then we have to do it ourselves. And this is part of your power that you have to use. Don't think that you can ignore politics you don't have to be happy about it but you can't ignore it you can't be too pure for it it's part of the process that is going to deliver all of us do you get that last sentence talk about politics it's part of the process that is going to deliver all of us barack obama is an atheist He doesn't believe there is a creator. He doesn't believe he will have to stand before his creator and give an account for what he's done on this earth. He believes that politics, again, it's part of the process that is going to deliver all of us. He believes in the secular salvation idea. Okay? despite all the evidence to the contrary. Barack Hussein Obama is into cognitive dissonance. Everything he does turns to crap, but he's a true believer. He's a true believer in the transcendence of politics. It's part of the process that is going to deliver all of us. So I just had to share that with you because uh, there are a lot of people who believe in some sort of salvation apart from God and some sort of transcendence apart from God. Growing up, I was a big rock and roll fan. And so I read Rolling Stone magazine every two weeks, every time it came out. And I remember there was this, uh, this record reviewer, this music critic, named Dave Marsh. And when uh, a record came out that he really liked, he would talk about its transcendent qualities. Somehow or another, a rock and roll record could help you transcend um, your mundane, normal life. I remember thinking at the time, you know, I was a big fan of 
bunch of rock and roll, but as a Christian, I, I didn't think that there was anything transcendent about the music. Anyway, let me go back to the article from the uh, the Federalist.com entitled, pardon me, take two. Let me go back to the article from the Federalist.com entitled, A Glasgow Climate Summit, Obama Takes Off the Mask and Says It's All About Power. For Obama, this means rewarding climate activists with Green New Deal freebies and passing Joe Biden's $3.5 trillion socialist spending bill that by some estimates could cost dairy farmers an extra $6,500 per cow and include spending $15 billion to build a half a million electric vehicle charging stations, paying $3.5 billion for a civilian climate core, implementing a $1 billion tax credit for so-called environmental justice programs for universities, and adding a $1,500 tax credit on electric bicycles. It costs up to $8,000 a bike. But don't worry. The current occupant of the White House keeps reminding us that $3.5 trillion actually amounts to $0. Plus, what could go wrong with more people commuting and fatally crashing into each other on electric bicycles in urban cities? The bottom line is, even if all electricity ran on solar and wind, most of the world's energy supply would still run on fossil fuels, and even if all countries in the Paris Climate Agreement kept their promises, the International Energy Agency estimates they estimate that fossil fuel use would still make up 73% by the year 2040. The good news is Obama says he's willing to make sacrifices to save the planet. Oh, yeah. Obama, Obama actually said, I can afford to give up a lot of my current lifestyle to benefit the planet because I'll still have a lot left over. Now, although Barack did not say specifically he would be willing to sacrifice, didn't say what it was he, was being, he would be willing to sacrifice, putting his 29-acre, seven-bedroom estate on the market or no longer flying private everywhere, everywhere he goes, including to the very conference he spoke at, does not appear to be the kind of sacrifice he means. In the meantime, factory workers better start driving their Teslas to work, even if they have to wait 40 minutes for them to charge, or Barack Obama will be very disappointed. That is the article from thefederalist.com, the great David Keltz, entitled at Glasgow Climate Summit, Obama Takes Off the Mask, says it's about power. It's already on my Facebook page if you want to take a look. Now, I want to say something about the Trump-Russia collusion blowing up with the feds indicting this Igor Danchenko, who was the source for Christopher Steele's dossier. Liberal journalist Glenn Greenwald says, look at what the Washington Post's Eric Wimple just published about CNN and its refusal to own up to the lies it told about the Steele dossier. <clears throat> says, consistent, yes, to its credit, CNN covered the Danchenko 
indictment with a smattering of reports last Thursday. There was also a CNN.com piece. By contrast, the story from February 2017, claiming there was corroboration for Trump-Russia collusion, received saturation coverage at a network program to hype all Trump-related items. That brand of asymmetry helps explain why many people distrust CNN. Yeah, 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 right, Eric, right. But why do we also distrust the Washington Post? Anyway, Glenn Greenwald continues, virtually alone in the liberal sector of corporate media, Eric Wemple has been relentless about trying to impose accountability on MSNBC, NBC, CNN, The Atlantic, and even The Washington Post about their lies on the Steele dossier, and he deserves much credit for this. Okay. All right. Gotcha, but it is um, certainly a mistake to say that any of these entities, including the Washington Post, made a mistake. They didn't. They didn't. By the way, I don't know if you caught this on the uh, the Rittenhouse trial the other day. Uh, the great, the great Andrew Andrew Branca, attorney, self defense law, author of the Law of Self Defense, pointed out. Assistant DA Binger told a witness he's not a real journalist because real journalists don't put their opinions into their news stories. <laughs> this is one of the most news propagandized trials I've ever seen. Amen, Brother Branca. Amen. Amen. Look, I uh, need to share something with you. 29-year-old mountain bike and national title winner Kyle Warner was diagnosed with pericarditis after taking the Pfizer vaccine. And that's a career-ending injury. You, you can't continue to compete as a mountain biker with pericarditis. And, and to make it worse, people are coming down on him for having the gall to tell the rest of us what happened after he took the Pfizer vaccine. This is less than two minutes long, but this uh, you need to hear this young man's pain and what people are doing to him for having the gall to mention a bad side effect from the Pfizer vaccine. And yet the truth is what the truth is. I have a lot of love and support, and I appreciate that, but it's so hard to just be constantly berated by people all the time just for trying to share my story and like all I've tried to do this whole time to advocate for a conversation I'm not trying to tell you what to do or tell you what not to do I'm just saying here's a data point that you can look at and factor into your decision because I will tell you right now that like my life has completely changed and I've lost friends I've lost family members I've lost all of these things just by going through this situation and like I got I got vaccinated to try to do my part and you know I got injured which sucks and it's a rare thing right but it doesn't feel rare when it happens to you but 
if I would have got COVID and if I would have had all these same symptoms and dealt with this whole thing through COVID, I wouldn't be hated so much. Like, I don't know how, I don't know how the toxicity of people has become worse than the disease that we're fighting. Like, we've done such a job as people of trying to remain human. I just, it's so hard because people don't know people don't know what this is like until it happens to you and I empathize with people that have had issues with COVID. I empathize with people that have had other issues throughout the pandemic or other things, right? But to be injured by this thing that's so toxic in society where you can't even talk and you can't get support you can't tell people even like i had a hard time finding a therapist because when you say vaccine injury they're like oh you're crazy and it's like i don't know what we're supposed to do as people and i'm just sad at where we are right now and like i said i'm gonna take a break for a while and so yeah i just wanted to kind of post this and like i said i'm sorry that i can't continue to speak out for the people that do need it they beat him down. They beat him down. How dare you tell the truth? How dare you tell the truth? There's a verse somewhere in the New Testament. I think it's Galatians. Have I now become your enemy for telling you the truth? Right? Have I now become your enemy for telling you the truth? So there's a guy named uh, Dr. Peter McCullough, professor of medicine, former vice chief of internal medicine, Baylor University Medical Center, principal faculty in internal medicine for the Texas A&M University Health Sciences Center, co-editor of reviews in cardiovascular medicine, associate editor of the American Journal of Cardiology and Cardiorenal Medicine, over 1,000 publications, 500 citations in the National Library of Medicine, author of 35 peer-reviewed publications on SARS-CoV-2 infection. And he's putting out some truth the other day that they don't want you to hear. Big tech tries to shut people like this up. Here it is. Myocarditis that occurs with a natural infection is usually those sick enough to be in the ICU, and it's a troponin elevation only. It's very different than the myocarditis that we're seeing with the vaccines, which we'll get to. Uh, the myocarditis in COVID-19 is mild, it's inconsequential, and it's largely a troponin elevation. I don't want anybody to think that the myocarditis of the natural infection is anything like what we're seeing with the vaccines. Exactly. The vaccine produces the inflammatory type process on the heart. And the vaccine is directly there. Now there's preclinical studies suggesting the lipid nanoparticles actually go right into the heart. The heart expresses the spike protein. The body attacks the heart. There are dramatic EKG changes. The troponin, the blood test for heart injury with the vaccine myocarditis is, is 10 to 100 folds higher than the troponin we see with the natural infection. It's a totally different syndrome about when the kids get myocarditis after the vaccine, 90% have to be hospitalized. They have dramatic EKG changes, chest pain, early heart failure. They need echocardiograms. If the ejection fraction is low, they need medications to prevent heart failure. So vaccine-induced myocarditis is a big deal and in children it's way more serious and more prominent than a post-covid myocarditis yeah so that's what they don't want getting out 
So you see the liberal media uh, reporting an uptick in cases of heart problems with newborns because of climate change. Yeah. Climate change. That's the problem. Um, not because pregnant women have been encouraged to get the jab. Not because of that. No, no, it's climate change. That's what the media is saying. That's what the media is saying. I don't know if you heard about this or not. Um, on an unrelated note, top spy chief says UFOs buzzing U.S. warships may be aliens. Oh, okay. Avril Haines, director of national intelligence, who oversees all 16 U.S. spy agencies, including the FBI and CIA, was speaking at the Our Future in Space event at the Washington National Cathedral the other day. In a stunning admission, she said UFOs buzzing warships and being reported by U.S. pilots could be of alien origin. Right. So, the great Ian Miles Chong said, U.S. unprepared to admit that Chinese have advanced drone technology a decade ahead of American ones. Yeah. Yeah, we'll just uh we'll just pretend that it's uh UFOs, aliens. Yeah, we'll just we'll just go with that. Amazing, isn't it? Absolutely amazing. New York Post also reporting over the weekend Virginia Pharmacy gives 112 kids wrong doses of COVID vaccine. Hear about that? Yeah. At least 112 Virginia children were given wrong doses of COVID-19 vaccines after a local pharmacy tried to make up for not having the new shots for kids, according to local officials. Ted Pharmacy in Aldi, Virginia, incorrectly administered partial doses of adult vaccines to the kids, likely either not fully protecting them or even giving them too much, according to the Loudoun County Health Department. Well, isn't that special? Director of the Loudoun County, Virginia Health Department, David Goodfriend, told the Washington Post, because they did not have the children's formulation, they used the adult formulation, but only gave a third of the amount to the children. Our understanding from Ted Pharmacy is they were trying to do a workaround, which is not authorized. He says, if it doesn't all go in, or it goes into the body but doesn't go into the muscle, or you didn't draw it up exactly to the correct line, there's a chance you might get too little vaccine. There's also a chance it could have given too much. Authorities confiscated all the pharmacy's 
remaining coronavirus vaccines and ordered it to contact the families who had received the shots. They were also sent guidance from the CDC to still get their second shot in three weeks as planned or to even restart the two-shot series after that time. Oh, oh, I get it. Oh, so you might have gotten too much, but you better get the second shot in three weeks anyway. And you think this is about health. The alarm was only raised by a good observant parent who noticed the shots came from vials with a wrong color cap. Dasha Hermosia told Fox 5 she noticed her 7-year-old daughter getting the vaccine with a purple cap meant for those age 12 and older rather than the new younger kids one with an orange cap. And Ms. Hermosia said, I would have never done this if I knew they were giving the adult reformulated vaccine, absolutely not. I should have pushed her to show me the vial of orange, which she didn't have, and then I should have left. Yep, you should have, but as human beings, we tend to trust authority figures, don't we? Don't we? Yeah, we do. The Virginia Board of Pharmacy told Fox 5 it was unable to reveal if there is an investigation into a possible violation of law or regulation. Well, why is that? Esther Megaly, who is listed in corporate filings as an owner of Ted Pharmacy there in Virginia, did not comment when reached by phone Thursday by the Washington Post. She told the paper, it's a working day for us now. We're a little bit busy. I'm sorry. Yeah, Not too sorry to give the, uh, the wrong drugs to little kids, right? Not too busy for that, huh? My goodness. My goodness. All right, let me uh, let me tell you what's going on. Um, the latest we've got with the January 6th political prisoners that hardly any Republican member of Congress has the guts to even mention. The great Julie Kelly over at American Greatness says, only the most heartless person or a Biden prosecutor or D.C. District Court judge could read this and feel no mercy. Boyd Camper committed no violent crime on January 6th. The prosecution is only part of his life-destroying ordeal. Here's what it says. The defendant has paid a high price for his behavior. Apart from being prosecuted in a federal criminal case, one that has attracted enormous attention for obvious reasons, and living with the uncertainty defendants experience, he became a pariah in his home state of Montana. Friends of years have renounced friendship with him. Business associates, companies, and merchants have severed ties. As a result, he has moved to another state to get a fresh start. His son, whom Mr. Camper previously schooled at home, will be enrolled in a public school by the time of the sentencing. The defendant hopes the two will have a better life in their new home and community. Much of the defendant's history recorded in the PSR is a sad one. There it is laid out in detail. The near drowning and calamitous injury to his infant son, Eric, in 1989, leaving him quadriplegic until his death in 2006 is the most sorrowful. Yet the defendant has tried valiantly and at times successfully to overcome obstacles his background created and aspects of his character that 
made much of his life a hard one. The portrayal that PSR draws is of one who from time to time has reacted angrily, though not physically, in disputes he's had with others. Requiring the defendant to seek and complete an anger management program may be indicated. A person such as Mr. Camper, who on his own has been able to eliminate his habit of alcohol abuse and remain sober for more than a decade, would likely have the resources to. Julie Kelly says a 78-year-old wretch, Judge Colleen Collar Catelli, a Clinton appointee, sentenced him to two months in prison. Camper asked to serve time on weekends so he could care for his son. The hag judge said no. Judge said, it's unfortunate, but when you get involved in criminal conduct, your family suffers the consequences, sometimes your actions. By the way, the so-called criminal conduct, conduct, the charge was parading in the Capitol. Class B misdemeanor. Parading in the Capitol. So, see, people get there to the Capitol building after the speech, and the barricades are out of the way, and the doors are wide open. The police are welcoming them in, and they get uh, prosecuted for walking around the Capitol for a little bit. Just so you know. That's what that's about. That's what that's about. I go back to uh, the lockdowns and the mandates. And another comment from the great Daniel Horowitz over the blaze on the seminal issue of our lifetime that will affect us in every aspect of our lives for the foreseeable future. Most Republican legislators sound exactly like the Democrats. There's nearly zero difference between the Fauci's and most supermajority red state Republicans. And that's a shame. Now, it's a little bit different in Arkansas. In the state of Arkansas, where I did a local live talk radio for over seven years, there are some Republican legislators who actually have been standing up for the constitutional rights of their constituents. People like uh, Dan Sullivan and Alan Clark and uh, Gary Stubblefield and I'm sure there are a number of others. I'm forgetting Trent Garner and Jason Rapert. But too many have not. Too many have not. What's this? Bonchi over at Red State, the FBI raid of Project Veritas turns into a massive scandal after privileged communications are leaked. Now, we, we mentioned this briefly last week. But let me, let me dig into it a little bit more deeply because this is important. As Red State already reported, Project Veritas has found itself in the crosshairs of the FBI recently. That began with a raid on the homes of several of its journalists under the guise of looking for Ashley Biden's diary. Apparently, a stolen diary is now in the purview of federal authorities. Will they be investigating bike thefts next? But what was so disturbing besides the raids happening in the first place was how quickly the New York Times knew about them. While James O'Keefe was asked by the FBI to keep quiet, the New York Times knew within hours, pointing to a leaker 
inside the FBI. Oh, yeah. They said, but while the Department of Justice requested us to not disclose the existence of the subpoena, something very unusual happened within an hour. One of our reporters' homes being secretly raided by the FBI, the New York Times, who we are currently suing for defamation, contacted the Project Veritas reporter for comment. We do not know how the New York Times was aware of the execution of a search warrant at our reporter's home or the subject matter of the search warrant as a grand jury investigation is supposed to be secret. Days later, O'Keefe would have his home raided as well, and sure enough, the New York Times once again knew it, knew about it before anyone else. Are you noticing a pattern? Because it's about to become as obvious as a neon sign. Last Wednesday, a court ordered the FBI to stop extracting data from O'Keefe's phones, which had apparently been seized. Again, all of this is being done under the allegation that a diary was stolen. But then Thursday night, things boiled over into outright scandal. The New York Times suddenly started publishing privileged communications between Project Veritas and its legal team. Those messages apparently came from one of James O'Keefe's phones. Okay. Yeah, you read that right. Project Veritas had recently sued the New York Times over an unrelated matter, and now the New York Times has Project Veritas's privileged communications that reveal their legal strategies. Given the circumstances, there could only be one logical source for that information, the FBI. This is absolutely scandalous, though nothing is really surprising anymore when dealing with the FBI. It appears that a major net newspaper has colluded with the federal government to target an, an, an investigative reporting outlet. Of course, there are still more dots to connect, but there, if there's some other explanation, I'm not seeing it. The pretense of the original raid simply made no sense. Really? A diary? And the New York Times has been getting leaks from the FBI every step of the way in order to target Project Veritas. If this isn't a coordinated political hit job on a journalistic organization, then what is it? So many lines have now been crossed that it's hard to keep up with them all. Worse, what can Project Veritas even do about it? The Biden-run DOJ is not going to investigate these leaks, and the damage has already been done. The New York Times now has possession of these privileged communications, even as they are being sued by Project Veritas. Think about how absurd that is. Let this serve as another example of why the FBI doesn't need to just be reprimanded, but that it needs to be disbanded. The organization simply cannot be trusted to uphold the rights of American citizens any longer, a reality that is borne out by its own politicized actions. And that is a great banshee over at redstate.com. And I will uh, link to that on my Facebook page, too. Outrageous. Outrageous. Again, the great rapper Zuby Music says the entire COVID-1984 narrative is crumbling. They're getting so desperate. The aggression you are now seeing is desperation. A dog is most dangerous when cornered. Hold the line and don't be a coward. All right, appreciate that. Appreciate that. Now... As the Kyle Rittenhouse murder trial continues, 
right in the middle of a, a break, in the middle of a closing argument, so taking a break for lunch. The great Jim Hansen, who I've interviewed before, president of the Security Studies Group and served in U.S. Army Special Forces. He's over the Federalist today with an article entitled, Left's attacks on Kyle Rittenhouse are part of a bigger plan to disband the well-regulated militia. Subtitle, the goal of the media provocateurs is to delegitimize the most basic right to protect our communities and ourselves in the absence of official security forces. And this is crucial. This is crucial. He says the corporate media is shifting narratives about the Kyle Rittenhouse case because his self-defense claim is bulletproof. They want to erase the long-understood obligation for all able-bodied citizens to come to the defense of their community when the normal authorities are unwilling or unable to do so. The constitutionally sound principle that allows and expects this is the left's most abused part of the Second Amendment, the well-regulated militia. This is the false premise being pushed away, being pushed by many historically ignorant moral scolds. Like Chris Hayes over at MSNBC, who says, do we want a society in which political conflict is settled on the streets between people with guns, one in which everyone is armed and can therefore view the other people armed as a plausible threat. Is that the society we want? It's tempting to answer with the online meme, quote, your terms are acceptable, unquote. Except their claim deserves a solid beatdown for its shameless inaccuracy. The well-regulated militia is a real thing codified by the Second Amendment, but in no way controlled by the government. There's plenty of case law about this, but essentially it consists of able-bodied citizens who are available to help with the defense of the country. This can include actions against foreign enemies, presenting a threat inside our borders, but it also, it also includes cases of internal unrest or natural disaster. He says, our executive vice president at Security Studies Group, Dr. Brad Patty, wrote about the history and utility of the militia last year. This part is particularly relevant to the many unsubstantiated claims about citizens taking action. Much more likely is when citizens come under attack by terrorists, insurrectionists, rioters, arsonists, or looters. In that case, citizens are very likely to be the only force capable of responding in defense of the common peace and lawful order, at least for a short time. In the recent crisis, however, we have seen several occasions when the police vanished from afflicted areas of cities for a whole night or longer. Citizens who are left to themselves by a failure of state and local power have every right to defend the common peace and lawful order against those who would destroy it. Ordinary citizens who decide to call themselves or each other up as militia enjoy no immunity for their actions. They are formally held to the law. For those who suggest police should be stripped of qualified immunity, the citizen called militia thus offers an option with a higher degree of legal accountability. They can be held strictly to ordinary law, even though they're likely to be acting in extraordinary circumstances. 
It's exactly what happened in Kenosha, Wisconsin. The authorities there ordered the police to abdicate the responsibility to protect and serve law-abiding citizens. They abandoned the community to a violent mob. When local folks, including Kyle Rittenhouse, who worked there and lived nearby, rose up to defend their lives and livelihood, they were acting entirely in accordance with the constitutional concept of the militia. James Hansen says, I cover this topic and the need to ensure those rights are not abridged at length in my book, Winning the Second Civil War Without Firing a Shot. The left keeps howling that you cannot use deadly force to protect property. Correct. But you can possess deadly force to protect yourself while in the act of protecting property or acting in humanitarian ways. Then, as happened to Rittenhouse, you may use it when attacked by members of that lawless mob. The claim is also made that Rittenhouse inserted himself into a dangerous situation and therefore is responsible for when the mob attacked. Wrong. His actions, except the underage carry, were lawful. Ha-ha! Ha-ha! Update, update, James Hansen. Even that was lawful. Even that was lawful. As a judge dropped the gun charge today. Anyway, he says the mob's actions at every step were unlawful, violent, and in the end, fatal by their own doing. The prosecution of the Rittenhouse case has even attacked Rittenhouse's right to defend himself in the face of obvious deadly threats. They asked why a man who threatened to kill you and then tried to take your weapon away was a danger, why being hit over the head with a skateboard warranted a response, and what possible harm could prevent could could present from a guy with a pistol pointed at your head six feet away. It takes a strong aversion to the idea of self-defense to make those absurd arguments, and yet the prosecution made them. As Dr. Brad Patty pointed out, those who act as the militia also bear a legal responsibility for their actions. If authorities bring charges, they're guaranteed a trial decided by a jury of their peers. Rittenhouse is getting that right now. The obscene part is that the charges of capital murder brought against him were entirely politically motivated to appease the very mob he and the others were defending against. But his fate now rests in the hands of a group of citizens who were also at risk from that same mob during the riots, just like Kyle. The goal of the media provocateurs is to delegitimize the most basic right to protect our communities and ourselves in the absence of official security forces. They are perfectly fine with the mobs looting and destroying things and even invented the shameful euphemism of restorative justice to describe it. Those terms are not acceptable. In addition, addition, media coverage has been completely detached from the reality that happened in Kenosha, Wisconsin, and the testimony inside the courtroom now. They've seized on the false idea from Assistant District Attorney Thomas Binger that Kyle went to Kenosha with the purpose of killing protesters based on Binger's statement, quote, this was hunting humans, not deer, unquote. Well, Kyle Rittenhouse had a strange way of hunting humans by walking around offering medical help and putting out fires. But the hyperbolic headlines continue to misrepresent almost every aspect of the case. This will directly lead to violence when Kyle is found not guilty, and the media full well know that. They have thrown gas on these flames before. They are inciting violence and should be held accountable. There is no official obligation to act as a member of the militia, but there's a moral one. Those unwilling to stand against lawlessness or at least support those who do, may still have the title of citizens, but are really baby possums riding on the backs of their betters. 
Rather than a murder trial, Kyle should have been given the keys to the city. It's a sign of our moral and cultural decay that we have had to witness the farce perpetrated by the feckless, faux hawk-wearing binger. His disgraceful actions have brought shame on his office and himself. Why, why, why do I always forget to turn down the ringer? What is wrong with me? I know, don't get me started. Books could be written. It'll take all day. I apologize. And potential spam at that. <clears throat> Jim Hansen concludes over the Federalist. Kyle will be vindicated since the partisan nature of the charges paired with the incompetence of Assistant DA Binger and crew have led them to make the defense's case for them. It was self-defense in the face of a mob left uncontrolled by city forces. But we as freedom-loving Americans must be equally vigilant to push back against this attack on the very right to preserve our lives and livelihoods. It is preferable for that to be done by the forces that take our taxes with a promise to do so. But the founders foresaw that may not always be the case and provided us a right to do so ourselves in extremists. Great article there from the great Jim Hansen over the Federalist entitled Left's Attacks on Kyle Rittenhouse are part of a bigger plan to disband the well-regulated militia. And I'll put it up on my Facebook page. Now let's get back to a little bit about uh, Steve Bannon. The great Marjorie Taylor Greene, freshman congresswoman from Northwest Georgia, says they are going after Steve Bannon because he is so effective in guiding Americans through the enormous amount of lies the media and the Democrats force down the people's throats every day. War Room, which is the name of Steve Bannon's uh, video podcast, is one of the most watched shows by Trump supporters. Steve Bannon is innocent. He's a patriot and informs Americans daily about the communist revolution in America. Commies always go after the strongest first. The January 6th committee is a fake committee full of liars, traitors, and communists. The Democrat Communist Party and the America last media are guilty of crimes against the American people. In 2020, they incited violence against the innocent American people, calling domestic terrorists peaceful protesters and funding their organization. And we won't forget. We won't forget. Great job, Marjorie Taylor Greene. Great job. So, Leonidas Johnson, who I also follow over there on Twitter, and I'm honored that he has about 126,000 followers, and he just follows about 2,000 back, and I'm one of them. So thank you. Appreciate it, brother. And by the way, his profile is up on his Twitter. His uh, pronouns in his Twitter profile are leave me alone. <laughs> anyway, he says, friendly reminder that a private company is not truly a private company if it is crafting policy that would otherwise be unconstitutional at the behest of the government. The state is operating indirectly through that business. Therefore, that business is an extension of the state. To which I responded, there's a word for it. It's called fascism. 
It is. Now, I don't know if you realize this, because a lot of people don't. A lot of people think the word fascist is means I don't like you. No, no. There's an actual definition for it. It's not just something to be thrown around as an epithet. Um, and basically, Leonidas Johnson basically laid it out there. It is having the veneer of private ownership of business while being totally controlled by the government. That is fascism. Just so you know. Now, another guy I follow on Twitter, Oilfield Rando is what he calls himself. He works out in the oil fields, and I can certainly understand why he doesn't want his, uh, his name identified over there on social media. He says, contractor buddy says he's going to have to let 50% of his workers go if diesel prices and material prices stay like this. He's locked into existing contracts, can't raise prices on customers. Pain is coming. <clears throat> Pardon me. He got a response about your most recent tweet about your contractor, buddy. I own a good-sized landscaping company, and they redacted where that is. It says, we're about two weeks away from having to let go of at least three guys to try to offset rising costs of all materials and fuel. And that's that's planned, you know. That's planned. This is intentional. It is on purpose. I hope you understand that. The great Murray Rothbard over there on Twitter says, in answer to the question, why do you care so much about politics? He says, I don't know. Maybe it's because the government spent the past two years locking everyone in their homes stealing well over 10% of our net worth and threatening to take away our livelihoods if we don't take experimental injections, for starters. Maybe it's because I get upset when I hear our country ordered a drone strike that killed innocent men, women, and children halfway across the globe who have absolutely nothing to do with our national, national defense. Maybe it's because I hate knowing that people are serving a lifetime in prison for a medical plant that can help with a wide variety of illnesses while alcohol and dangerous prescription drugs are promoted on television and throughout our culture ad nauseum. Maybe it's because I hate seeing communities burned to the ground, lives destroyed, and Americans turned against each other because of corrupt politicians and media outlets who don't give a damn about how many people get hurt or killed in their selfish and, and evil pursuit of power. Maybe it's because I hate knowing that politicians and members of the Fed are robbing the American people blind, committing insider trading on a regular basis, and bailing out their special interests and political cronies while the average American gets left holding the bag. Maybe it's because I hate knowing that the system is rigged against small businesses, startups, mom-and-pop shops, and those trying to climb the economic ladder in favor of multinational corporations protected from competition, and who can afford the lawyers to bypass regulations. Maybe it's because I hate knowing the vast swaths of young people are being indoctrinated on a daily basis and then shuffled into colleges in order to be saddled with a lifetime of debt for a mediocre and largely worthless education, the cost of which is mostly due to the government. 
Maybe it's because I hate knowing that the ridiculously outlandish costs of our healthcare system have absolutely nothing to do with the free market and are 100% a direct result of government intervention into the healthcare system, empowering insurance companies and administrative costs. Skyrocketing. Maybe it's because I have a well-researched grasp on history and economics and know exactly what happens when you continue on the path that our government institutions are currently forging ahead with. Spoiler alert, it's not good. Maybe it's because I know that the government and media are engaged in an all-out assault on Christianity and organized religion because they know those who believe in God above everything else are impossible to manipulate and control by centralized authorities here on earth. Finally, it's because I dream about the infinite potential that we have as human beings for growth and understanding, but that the enemies of that progress are tyrannical governments, corrupt politicians, the corporate media, protected corporations, and lawless central banks. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so the first response he gets is some guy saying, these vaccines went through the same trial process as any other vaccine. And please note, every vaccine was new at one point. People couldn't get their child vaccinated fast enough against polio, less contagious, sickening and deadly than COVID, when first released. Murray Rothbard responds, no, they didn't. And the first polio vaccine rollout was a complete failure which led to 40,000 cases of polio in children, 200 with varying degrees of paralysis, and 10 deaths out of only 200,000 administered doses. If the COVID vaccines were similar, it would be catastrophic. And he links to the article entitled, America's First Polio Vaccine Led to a Growing Vaccine Crisis. It's just remarkable. It's just remarkable. I guess President Reagan said, the problem with our liberal friends is they know so many things which just aren't so. Which just aren't so. Now, the great Jordan Schachtel over at Substack, independent journalist, has a, a remarkable article here entitled, Is the Biden Administration Purposely Destroying the American Economy? And he says, the U.S. economy is on a collision course with economic disaster. Is it being done on purpose or is this just a symptom of having an idiocracy in charge of the economy? Is it perhaps a combination of both factors? He says, given my several years living and working in our nation's capital, having seen the Washington bureaucracy up close, I generally lean heavily on the idiocracy explanation for our American economic death spiral, but recent events have made me reassess. Let's take a look at what's going on under the control of the current regime. According to the current consumer price index, inflation is now growing at something close to 1% a month. According to CPI metrics used in the 1980s, inflation is rising at an even higher rate. Over the course of COVID mania, world governments, especially including the United States, have printed countless trillions of dollars in fiat stimulus cash. This rabid money printing was pursued on the grounds of nonsensical Keynesian magic money theory principles, which declare that you can save an economy by debasing the currency and flooding the system with cash. 
the incredible debasement of the currency has allowed the rich to become even richer and defeat inflation through investments in Federal Reserve inflated institutions like the stock market. Yet for those who cannot afford to invest, they're being crushed under the weight of the debasement regime. If you haven't increased your fiat calculated wealth by 15 to 20% or more this year, you've probably lost wealth. Sure, we can go with the idiocracy argument when we examine people like Janet Yellen, the lifelong academic and former Fed chair turned Biden administration treasury secretary, who's by all accounts a true believer in John Maynard Keynes' economics. Yellen, a central planner to her core, believes she alone can manage an economy better than free market forces. There's also continuing evidence surfacing that several entities within the Biden administration are purposely increasing our cost of living and fully aware of the consequences of their actions. This is best observed in current U.S. energy policy. The White House has effectively put a blockade on new contracts for cheap and efficient natural energy production leading to skyrocketing energy prices across the nation. Under the guise of so-called climate action and build back better statism, the government is doing its best to destroy a massive sector of the economy. Oh, and he links to, uh, <clears throat> pardon me, Kentucky U.S. Congressman Thomas Massey saying, Obama's energy secretary once said we have to figure out how to boost the price of gasoline to the levels in Europe. Recently, Biden's energy secretary laughed when asked what could be done to lower gas prices. High prices aren't a side effect of their policies. It is the intended effect. And then Marty Bentz at the uh, Overcast podcast says, take 20 minutes and listen to this podcast. People need to wake up to what's going on right now. The government is using eminent domain to get to, to kick farmers off their land so they can build wind, solar, and CO2 pipelines. Pure evil, controlled demolition. Jordan Schachtel continues, Moreover, the Biden administration has elevated ideological radicals to top positions in the administration. Comptroller of the currency nominee, Saul Omarova, is an out-of-the-closet Marxist. She was educated at Communist Moscow State University and wrote her thesis on Karl Marx, who is waging a direct attack on American energy industries and is publicly advocating for a government commitment to their future bankruptcy. I mean, I got a little clip. I got a little clip from this woman that, uh, that Biden wants to be controller, comptroller of the currency. I don't know if you've heard this or not. Here it is. Imagine what would it be like if instead of being just a public option for deposit uh, banking, this would be actually the full transition. In other words, there will be no more private uh, bank deposit accounts and all of the deposit accounts will be held directly at the Fed. And there are very interesting implications uh, from that thought experiment, for example, with uh, the much more uh, direct and proactive tools of monetary policy, like helicopter money, which is, uh, you know, considered radical, primarily because uh, economists really do not know how to manage the issue of what will happen in the inflationary environment when the central bank needs to contract the supply of money. How is it possible? politically feasible for the central bank to effectively take money away from uh, people's accounts. You got that? 
She wants to get rid of private bank accounts and have the Fed control everything and have the Fed be able to take money away from your private bank account if they're too far in debt, which they are. Saul Omarova. Currently Biden's nominee for comptroller of the currency. Out-and-out out communist. Now, you might want to talk to whoever your United States senators are and say, you know, we need to make sure that she's not approved, right? Because uh, I, uh, I don't know, man. Lisa Monaco, big uh, Obama sycophant and uh, purveyor of the Russian collusion hoax for many, many years, was approved 98 to 2, and she's doing bad things at DOJ. Again, remember, the only people who voted against her, Ted Cruz and Rand Paul, that was it. So, yeah, you might want to call your senator's office and say, hey, are you going to... Uh, You going to vote against her, Saul Omarova? Hope so. Hope so. Now let me get to um, the three things to know about Biden's trip to fantasy COP26 climate su summit over in Glasgow. This is from the Heritage Foundation, Virginia Allen and Stephen Groves. Hundreds of world leaders, activists, and researchers on their way to Glasgow for an annual summit on climate change, but Stephen Groves, Heritage Foundation Research Fellow, says the gathering is based on a global fantasy. The summit is the prospect of a global fantasy that there can be a solution reached by 195 countries in the world to address climate change with money and with mitigation. The first conference of the parties was held in Berlin in 1995. This year's gathering, dubbed COP26, is regarded as the 26th Climate Summit, even though last year's event was canceled due to COVID-19. Joe Biden, attending the World Leader Summit portion of the Climate Conference <laughs> last week, <clears throat> leaders and activists discuss how to lower greenhouse gas emissions to prevent the world's temperature from rising by more than 1.5 degrees Celsius. Well, see, there's your, there's your problem right there. I don't trust anybody who goes by the metric system anyway. If you can't give me Fahrenheit, then shut up. Anyway, this Groves guy is a Margaret Thatcher fellow at the Heritage Foundation, parent organization of the Daily Signal. He says Biden likely will pick up where former President Obama left off at the 09 summit. That year, Obama pledged that the world's wealthiest nations will give $100 billion per year by 2020 to the world's poorest countries to help them fight climate change, which, uh, by the way, is not a thing, just so you know. Grove said on the press call the other day, here we are in 2021 and there has never been $100 billion put together, much less $100 billion per year. Added there's not $100 billion in any green climate fund or any real prospect of there being $100 billion. Well, what would they do with it if they had it? One object of COP26 is to discuss extending that 2020 deadline to 2024-2025. Grove said his concern is Biden will perpetuate the fantasy and continue to pledge the United States is going to put up this many billions of dollars a year. 
If Biden makes pledges at the climate summit that America cannot fulfill, that will further erode American credibility on the, on the world stage. Gove said he plans to attend the second week of the summit in Glasgow, which I guess he did last week. In an email interview with a Daily Signal, he addressed three of the most pressing questions about the climate conference. Daily Signal said, what are the goals or objectives of the climate conference in Glasgow? Grove said, the Biden administration's main goal for the COP26 climate conference in Glasgow is to reestablish American credibility on international climate change issues for better or worse. Pre- you know what? I- I- I'm-, I'm done. I'm just so sick and tired of this. Let me tell you. Let me tell you what all these liberal politicians need to do about climate change. Because they're all concerned about greenhouse gases. They're all concerned about CO2. You know, which is uh, what we all exhale, right? So if it's that bad, I think each one of them needs to put on like uh, 15 or 20 masks. No, no, set an example for the rest of us. Stop exhaling. That's it. Stop exhaling. Set an example. All right? Show us how it's done. If what we're all exhaling is really bad for Mother Nature and planet Earth and all that, then set an example and you stop exhaling. And we'll give you a 21-gun salute. All right? All right. John Cardillo over there on Twitter, one of the guys I follow, says, the FBI leaked Project Veritas's private communications to the New York Times, and Steve Bannon was indicted for something no Democrat would be. I won't support any Republican candidate in 2024 who doesn't fully commit to savagely weaponizing institutions against these lunatic communist tyrants. I'm with you, bro. I'm with you. I agree. Scott Adams, the guy that uh, writes Dilbert, the Dilbert comic strip, says, No to progressives. After you learn you have been duped by the left-leaning press on the Kyle Rittenhouse story, do an Internet search on the term fine people hoax. First do the search on DuckDuckGo, then do the search on Google and compare. Make sure to wear a hat because your head's about to explode. That's right. Do an internet search on the three words, find people hoax, first on DuckDuckGo and then on Google, and compare. Wear a hat because your head's about to explode. That's beautiful. That's absolutely beautiful. You know, I'm reading all these tweets. I'm reading all these tweets. We ought to start doing like a, a tweet of the day. Because I think I came up with one. I think I came up with one. Where where is it? Yeah, I I, I got to find this. Yeah, one of my partners here, one of my partners in crime, even said it's a tweet of the day. And now the official tweet of the day of the Doc Washburn Show. And this is from the great Cambry over at Cambry TV. 
Some people wouldn't recognize tyranny if it slapped a mask on their face, made them stand six feet apart, and forced them to take a vaccine for a virus with an alleged 98.8% survival rate. That's the truth of the day. That's the truth of the day. So Biden's Justice Department indicts Stephen Bannon for contempt of Congress, two charges filed for failing to honor House subpoena from Select Committee investigating January 6th Capitol breach. And the great Julie Kelly over at American Greatness says, every day I envy the way Democrats waste no time wielding political power. Lisa Monaco, who won all but, but two Republican Senate votes in her confirmation, isn't even hiding how she's continuing the Obama legacy of weaponizing federal authority against political enemies, from Trump to O'Keefe to disabled Navy veterans. And the Republican Party is absolutely complicit in this. Yeah. And then the great Jeff Carlson over the epictimes.com says, remember heading into 2017 when Republicans controlled the Senate, the House, the presidency, 33 governor seats, 68 state legislative chambers, and the only thing they did was to align with the Democrats against Trump. Good times. Yep. Look at you, Paul Ryan. Good times. I don't know if you heard over the weekend, Friday night, Fifth Circuit reaffirms stay on Biden's vaccine mandate. Court orders OSHA to refrain from implementing or enforcing the mandate. Now, wasn't there an earlier stay and the Biden White House just uh, told private companies to ignore what the court said? Pretty sure. Pretty sure. On Friday, a federal appeals court reaffirmed its earlier halt of President Joe Biden's vaccine mandate on private employers. Writing for a panel of judges of the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, Judge Englehart described the mandate as fatally flawed and said OSHA grossly exceeded its legal authority. Health agencies do not make housing policy, and occupational safety administrations do not make health policies. In seeking to do so here, OSHA runs afoul of the statute from which it draws its power and likely violates the constitutional structure that safeguards our collective liberty. That's what the judge wrote. Well, God bless him. God bless him. You know, let me ask something. Does it ever occur to you when somebody does the right thing, like this judge here, that it's a good thing to pause for a moment and to thank the Lord for the wisdom given to a public official like this judge here to do the right thing and to ask God to continue giving this person wisdom and protection for that matter? Because this upsets people. I ain't going to lie, fam. This upsets people. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wait, what is this? Maryland Elementary School accidentally vaccinates wrong student in mix-up. Oh. Accident, huh? Seven News out of Baltimore has it. Lusby, Maryland. 
A school nurse accidentally vaccinated the wrong student at a COVID clinic at a Calvert County Elementary School. Health officials confirm. According to the Deputy Health Officer for Calvert County, uh, Champ Thomas Cuddy, a student who didn't have consent from parents to receive a COVID vaccine for, for 5 to 11-year-olds, got the vaccination in error. Calvert County Administrator Mark Willis told the Baynet.com, local newspaper up there, that a six-year-old student at Dowell Elementary in Lesby, Maryland, was vaccinated without parental consent on November 9th. Willis told Baynet two six-year-olds had the same full names but different birthdays. One child received parental consent and one did not, according to Willis. And when the student told the nurse they weren't supposed to get the vaccine, the school tried to call the parent to clarify, but mistakenly called the wrong parent. When they recognized the mistake, the health department and school system worked to establish an additional verification protocol to prevent this from happening again, according to officials. See, that's not good enough. That's not good enough. Now, I don't know. Have you yet heard? There's so much. There's so much. There's so much going on. Here we are over two hours into this thing. Have you yet heard White House Press Secretary Jim Psaki celebrating the fact that you have to pay more for gas at the pump? Have you heard about this? Just to be clear, and I know that's been a criticism, so that's why I said that, not an accurate one. Look, our view is that the rise in gas prices over the long term makes an even stronger case for doubling down our investment and our focus on clean energy options so that we are not relying on uh, the fluctuations and OPEC and their willingness to put more supply and meet the demands in the market. Clean energy options, Right. What kind of clean energy options will ever be able to power a tractor-trailer truck? Huh? None, but she doesn't care. She's acting like OPEC is the problem instead of her boss who shut down the Keystone XL pipeline day one. You remember Biden's energy secretary, Jennifer Granholm, laughing in an interview the other day when asked about what is the plan to get gas prices down. Y'all, I don't know how to break it to you, but they don't want gas prices down. They want you to feel the pain at the pump. Talking about, I promise there won't be any tax hike on anybody making under 400000 a year. No, but we'll make everything so expensive that it'd be difficult for you to decide whether you want to buy groceries or pay to heat your house this, 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 this winter. We'll do that. No, it's not officially a tax, but same effect, right? Same effect. She's deliriously happy that gas prices have gone up. Absolutely. Now, Sean Davis, over the Federalist, says they're making everyone poorer and everything costs more on purpose. Why? Because they hate you. They hate what you stand for and believe, and they want to make you miserable and dependent so you will be easier to rule. Right? 
That's it. That's it. That's what's going on. Can I can I say a little bit more about this gentleman um, from Montana who's a political prisoner simply for walking around inside the Capitol? Misdemeanor parading after the police opened the doors and welcomed people in January 6th. Julie Kelly, American Greatness, says, for those who insist January 6th defendants are treated like everyone else, look at what's happening to a man charged with misdemeanors. Big business, banks, big tech, they're the enemy. Canceling bank accounts, credit cards of January 6th trespassers. Camper says prosecution has changed his life. Canceled by friends, fired by employers, bank accounts closed, ostracized by community, blackballed business-wise. Says the hardest thing has been people not wanting their kids to spend time with his son. Camper notes he has sole custody of his son, asks if the judge is inclined to impose incarceration, that he be able to serve that in small chunks so he can make child care arrangements. But as Julie Kelly says, the D.C. District Court is filled with soulless, cruel, vengeful judges who are gratified by inflicting pain on Americans. After a lengthy recitation of Camper's personal history and reciting the facts he pleaded guilty to, Judge Collar Cotelli starts sharing her thoughts on all this. She indicates she's concerned Camper hasn't fully accepted responsibility for his role on January 6th. Well, walking around peacefully inside the Capitol after the police say, come on in. Judge says, although Camper didn't engage in violence, every person who joined the mob that day helped create the momentum for violence and made it safe for others to commit violence. She says it's reasonable to infer that he destroyed evidence regarding saying he buried the GoPro. Judge says violence is an unacceptable way to resolve political differences. Oh, okay, but you're subjecting this guy to violence because they get beat up in jail sometimes. Julie Kelly says he'll go to jail for two months for a parading charge, and the judge will make his whole family pay. Again, Camper's lawyer asks if he can serve his 60 days on weekends given complications with care plans for his son. Judge says she considered that, but no, quote, it's unfortunate, but when you get involved in criminal conduct, your family suffers the consequences sometimes of your actions, unquote. Now, she knows he didn't commit any crimes. Parading around in the Capitol? She knows he didn't commit any crimes. He is being punished for being a Trump supporter. That's it. And hardly anybody in Congress speak up, speaks up for these people. Hardly anybody. Julie Kelly says, if the so-called conservative movement had a stable of fearless lawyers to work pro bono or backed by millions in donations, these helpless defendants could fight instead of plead to these stupid charges, then sue companies for canceling customers based on political viewers, pardon me, based on political views. But no, no, they won't do that. If the Republican Party wins back the House after dumping McCarthy, they need to do nothing else but replicate exactly what Democrats are doing. Several select committees, subpoenas, public testimony, abolish the FBI, and pass anti-discrimination laws to protect Americans on the right. Yeah, that would be nice. 
That's why so many rhinos need to be primaried. And again, let me remind my listeners in central Arkansas, your rhino congressman, French Hill, will be primaried. I'll announce who his opponent is on Thursday. Also, in response to the prosecution of Stephen K. Bannon, Julie Kelly says Andrew McCabe, former number two guy at FBI, remember him? Lied, lied under oath three times to FBI investigators. Numerous Obama DOJ officials lied to FISA court and sworn documents. Adam Schiff lied in congressional records. Brennan, Clapper, Comey all lied to Congress. Nothing happened. Nothing happened. Oh, I, I can't get out of here without letting you know about this. FDA alert. Two million at-home COVID-19 tests recalled over false positives. The FDA confirmed Thursday it is recalling some two million Elume at-home COVID-19 testing because they can provide false positives due to a manufacturing defect. Isn't that wild? See, because I remember being told by an epidemiologist there's no such thing as false positives for COVID. The firm first informed the federal regulatory agency about the defect in some lots in October, but on Wednesday, the FDA said it identified additional lots that were affected by the manufacturing defect made between February 24th and August 11th of this year. How about that? False positives. Could wreck people's lives, but... Oh, well, I'll put it on my Facebook page. About the Justice Department indicting Stephen K. Bannon, Sean Davis, the federal, says this is nothing less than a declaration of war against the American people. Think of all the Democrat, FBI, DOJ, and IRS officials who lied under oath or refused congressional subpoenas and never received even a slap on the wrist. America is now a third-world banana republic. Wow. Wow. And yet, I've seen the end of the book, and I know who wins, and it's not the bad guys. Now, there's a guy named Brian Deese. He is director of the National Economic Council, and he was on, he was on with uh, George Stepp on All of Us on ABC, on ABC this week. Yesterday, and step on all of us. Since this guy's director of the National Economic Council, is trying to ask him about uh, you know what we have to do to get the economy uh, going back again. So, what can Americans expect in the short term? Is inflation going to get worse before it gets better? Is there anything President Biden can do in the short term? We're focused on how to address this in the short term and the medium term, George. In the short term, number one, we have to finish the job on COVID. We know that the more that people feel comfortable getting out into the economy, going to movies rather than buying a television at home, working in the workplace, the more we can return a sense of normalcy to our economy. A lot of us uh, feel quite comfortable doing that, but, but you do you. Getting those shots out for 5 to 11-year-olds is going to provide a lot of comfort to American families. We're making a lot of progress on that front. You get this, idiot? What do we do to get the economy back? Well, we'll make sure these uh, 5 to 11-year-olds are vaccinated. Seriously? 
Look, remember what I always tell you. If you work for the Biden administration, it's because you know how to lie with a straight face, right? Now, what is Biden saying about what's going on? That's what I want to know. They prop up Dementia Joe. What is he saying about trying to get the economy back? Let's, let's check it out. Here he is. And by the way, you know, I sit on the stand. Uh-oh. And it get hot. I got a lot of, I got hairy legs. Oh, no, no. That turn, that, 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 that turn, uh, Wait. Um, blonde in the sun. Whoa, whoa, whoa. No, no, no. She used to come up and reach in the pool. Wait. And rub my leg down. Oh, no. So it was straight and then watch the hair. Shut up. Come back up again. They look at it. So I learned about roaches. I learned about kids jumping on my lap what and i've loved kids jumping on my lap oh he sure does that i i I don't think that was the right one i don't think that was what we were looking for um biden who has uh this woman who is a hardcore communist he wants to be in charge of the banks control of the currency right and she says, we want to take away private bank accounts, put everything under the Fed so we can take your money away. Here's what Biden said a few months ago. You might remember some of the predictions uh, that if, if I became president, we quote, see a depression, the likes of which we've never seen, end of quote. Another prediction that is my favorite one, I must add, is that if I got elected, I'd bring the end to capitalism. He's working on it. Kamala Harris. Somebody said Kamala Harris, when she gives a speech, she sounds kind of like a kid who has a book report who's trying to kind of talk as slowly as possible and keep saying the same things over and over again because she really doesn't know what she's talking about. Check it out. You'll probably agree. We must together work together to see where we are, where we are headed, where we are going, and our vision for where we should be but also see it as a moment, yes, to together address the challenges and to work on the opportunities. (laughs) Oh, what a knucklehead. What a knucklehead. What a knucklehead. All right, I guess that'll about do it for today. Um, Just delighted we have, have come up with a new close for the show. This has been episode 25 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. Today's program has been produced by Tim Terrible, directed by Mick Messy. This has been a terribly messy production. Portions of today's show will be taken overseas and dropped. If you'd like a transcript of today's episode of the all-new Doc Washburn Show, simply peel the roof off of a Rolls-Royce panel truck and send it to Mansour's Computer Solutions, seventh floor of the ephemeral B. Smoot Building, Whitehall, Arkansas, in care of Sheriff Mansour Sempier X. Well, that's the way it is. Monday, November 15th, 2021.